It's a beautiful fall afternoon in the Midwestern United States, and you are curled up in a cozy armchair looking out the window. You can see the scarlet, orange, amber, and fading green of the leaves still clinging to the trees in your yard. The leaves sway in a brisk breeze that you can vaguely hear along with the crackling of logs in the fireplace. Outside, you spot furtive movement in the trees, a small brown streak moving swiftly along a branch. The creature is about six inches tall and covered in sleek fur of grizzled gray and brown with a luxurious bushy tail streaking behind. The body is lean and muscular. Halfway down the branch, it pauses and hunches back on its rear, transforming it into a chubby-looking ball. The fur on the creature's stomach and under its chin is white. The back feet are larger than the front, which look more like hands. The lush tail is longer than the body and curled at the end like a shepherd's crook. The creature uses its tiny front paws to grasp an acorn that it holds in its mouth. You watch, fascinated, as the animal lowers its head and uses its front teeth to nimbly remove the shell and nibble the contents inside. It has large eyes on either side of the oval head and two small shell-like ears on top pointing skyward. The nose is flat like a rabbit's and surrounded by long whiskers. While eating, the animal furtively peeks around its environment, the long tail twitching. With a quick flag of the tail, the acorn is falling to the ground and the creature has disappeared into the magnificent fall foliage of a tree. Congratulations on your observation of Cyarius carolinensis, the eastern gray squirrel. Welcome to your new favorite animal podcast, a podcast for people who love learning about the extraordinary animals that we share our big, beautiful planet with. Join me each episode as we take a journey to learn about a new, amazing, and fascinating creature. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of your new favorite animal podcast. I'm Susie Kay, and as you might have guessed from the intro, we're doing something a little different this week. Instead of focusing on a new and fantastic animal you might not be familiar with, I'm focusing on an animal that many of us already know and taking a deep dive to learn the cool and fascinating facts about something that we easily overlook every day. This week, we're discussing squirrels. Squirrels are a common sight over much of the planet. The only places on Earth that they are not endemic are Antarctica and Australia. Chances are, if you look out your window right now, you might see one, especially if you're in the U.S. They're cute, they're spry, and they are extremely good at getting into your bird feeders. Maybe you're not a fan because they've chewed up your Christmas lights or made a home in your attic. But love them or hate them, squirrels are part of the scenery that we really don't think much about. So today, we're taking a deep dive into squirrel life and ecology to learn how amazing these tree-dwelling rodents really are. And who knows? Maybe squirrels will become your new favorite animal. There are over 200 species of squirrels in the world. They are in the family Cyuridae, which includes ground squirrels, tree squirrels, and flying squirrels. 
The easiest way to tell the difference between the different types is to look at their habitat. Tree squirrels live in trees, while ground squirrels live in burrows or rocky habitats. Of course, it wouldn't be science without a but. And in this case, the flying squirrel also lives in trees, but flying squirrels have a different body morphology than tree squirrels, namely the flaps of skin that they use to glide. So, if it lives in a tree and it isn't a flying squirrel, it's a tree squirrel. If I were to ask you to close your eyes and picture a squirrel, you probably think of a tree squirrel. They're diurnal, meaning that they're out in the daytime, and many have become comfortable in human-dominated landscapes. One of the most common types of tree squirrels is the eastern gray squirrel, native to the eastern United States. But as amazing little rodents, they have also managed to get their cute little toe beans established in Europe, Australia, and Africa, thanks to humans. Many species of squirrels are known as synanthropes. This means that they benefit from and even thrive in human environments. The process where an animal becomes successful in human areas is called synurbanization, meaning that these animals lose their inherent fear of humans in an urban environment and utilize it for habitat. And squirrels know us. In 2014, researchers studied squirrel behavior with humans in New York City parks. Researchers would move within six feet of squirrels and record their reactions. They found that when people stayed on the concrete paths and avoided looking at the squirrels, most squirrels showed no sign of change in their behavior, seeming not to even notice that someone was a short distance away. But as soon as the researchers stepped into the grass and looked at the squirrels, they immediately ran away. Squirrels did not start off synanthropic. The eastern gray squirrel was almost completely eradicated in North American cities during the Industrial Revolution. As people cut down forests to build homes and businesses, squirrels retreated to forests. The ones still living in cities were hunted, leading to cities sans squirrel. In the latter part of the 1800s, people began to reevaluate the importance of nature and the lack of it in urban areas. Victorians wanted natural oases in cities. This led to the creation of urban parks, such as Central Park in New York City. Parks were created and designed with beautiful waterways and plants, but they lacked wildlife. And how could people possibly connect to the natural world without some cute critters around? So, landscape architects and planners released squirrels into parks to entertain visitors and remind humans of the natural world. This was attempted in a few different parks in the U.S., but ended up a failure. The parks did not have the trees or food to support the squirrel population, and they starved or, quite literally, left for greener pastures. But intrepid New York City fixed the issue by providing park visitors with bags of peanuts to feed the squirrels. Not only did this help citizens form an attachment to the natural world, but it also kept the squirrels in the park. And as the populations flourished, squirrels spread throughout the city. So let's take a closer look at our adorably wild neighbors and learn more about their awesome adaptations and why they've done well so close to humans. Squirrels are in the family Mammalia and the order Rodentia, meaning that they're rodents. Those strong rodent front teeth are constantly growing, so squirrels need to keep chewing to wear them down. This need to gnaw has gotten them in trouble. If you've ever cursed your local squirrels for chewing through your Christmas lights, consider yourself lucky. Squirrels have shut down the NASDAQ by chewing through the electrical wiring, not once, but twice. They also chew a lot because they have a very high metabolism. 
This isn't a surprise if you've ever watched squirrels. They seem like tiny bundles of caffeinated anxiety. This high metabolism means they have to focus on eating high-energy, high-fat foods, hence their preference for nuts. You might be surprised to learn, though, that squirrels are actually omnivores. They eat fruit, mushrooms, insects, and even the occasional dead bird or other animal. A picture posted by a ranger in the Guadalupe Mountains National Park in West Texas shows a rock squirrel noshing on a whip snake back in 2009. Squirrels are pragmatic, and they'll eat whatever they can get a hold of. The eastern gray squirrel is about 15 to 20 inches long, or 25 to 38 centimeters, and weighs around 10 to 25 ounces, or 300 to 700 grams. The tail is usually longer than the body. Their fur is really rather silky, and can be black, gray, white, or any color in between. If you are used to the grayish-brown squirrels that we have here in North America, you might be astounded at some of the awesome tactical squirrels that inhabit other parts of the planet. The variegated squirrel, which is native to Central America, has an amazing red body with a thick black stripe running down the back, a white head, and a salt and pepper tail. Shout out to Costa Rica, where I saw this squirrel and it absolutely blew my mind. The rainforests of Malaysia are home to the giant black squirrel, which reaches up to four feet in length. With over 100 species of tree squirrels recognized, there is a huge variety. I'm used to eastern gray squirrels in my backyard, chittering at my dog, and I'd love to hear about your local squirrels or see some cute squirrel pics. So send me a message at yournewfavoriteanimal at gmail.com. I'd love to add them to the blog. No matter their size, all squirrels are amazing acrobats. They can run 20 miles an hour and jump 20 feet. They can balance on wires or thin branches with ease and scale a wall or tree trunk in seconds. One of the adaptations that make this possible is their crazy double-jointed ankles. Take a look at your feet and see how far you can rotate them. Though, if you're driving, please save this exercise for later. Imagine if you could safely rotate your foot so that it was facing completely backward. Squirrels can. They will rotate their back feet a full 180 degrees, which is why they can go down trees face first when most mammals back down butt first. Another reason squirrels can show off such awesome parkour skills is their amazing tail. It's not just a cute, bushy fashion accessory. It's a multi-tool of the highest caliber. It works like a counterbalance when jumping around in the trees. Just like a tightrope walker using a long pole to keep their center of gravity, squirrels moving along power lines or fence will continually move their tails side to side to provide balance and momentum. Their tail also serves as both a parachute and a crash pad. They can hold it out to slow their descent and then push it down upon landing to distribute their weight so that their tiny bodies don't take the brunt of the impact. Squirrels can safely fall from 30 feet without getting hurt. The tail also serves as a blanket and a raincoat to keep squirrels comfortable in cold or rainy weather. But it also can work like an air conditioner. When it's hot, squirrels divert blood to their tail to release excess body heat. Talk about a multi-tool. And speaking of talking, that is yet another use of a squirrel's tail. 
Squirrels can communicate using chirps, squeaks, chatters, and tail movements. Tail twitches, flags, and flicks can communicate a squirrel's emotion, flirt with a love interest, or inform others of danger. Researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, conducted an experiment where fox squirrels would receive a walnut if they were able to open a box. Later, the researchers would switch it up by either locking the box or having no walnut. They filmed the squirrels and found that the squirrels flagged their tails dramatically when they did not get the expected treat. Check out my website, www.yournewfavoriteanimal.weebly.com, for links to some of these adorable videos. And this tail talk can be surprisingly specific. While scientists cannot fluently speak squirrel yet, they have been able to observe that squirrels can tell what type of danger is approaching, say a hawk or a dog, and whether it is coming from the ground or the air just based on those tail movements. Have you ever seen a tree in the winter where it looks like a bunch of leaves got stuck at the base of some of the branches? You're likely looking at a squirrel dray, which is a fancy word for a nest. They're made of twigs and leaves and lined with soft, dried grass, moss, and bark. Once you recognize a squirrel dray, you will see them everywhere. This is because squirrels usually have multiple drays. This way, in the winter, they do not have to travel far for food without shelter nearby. And some species will bunk together in a big fuzzy slumber party to stay warm when it gets really cold, but only with their closest squirrel friends, because squirrels have a social hierarchy. While considered technically asocial, meaning that they live alone, they have overlapping territories and a social hierarchy. But if a fluffy-tailed slumber party is right up your alley, wait until you hear about their pantries. With such high metabolisms, squirrels need to eat a lot of food, and that food is not easy to come by in the winter. So squirrels cache their food. Some species create one large hoard, but others, such as the gray squirrel, bury nuts in many places in their home territory. And if you are like me and have gotten annoyed when an oak tree started growing in your planters because of a forgotten acorn, you're about to be surprised by the complexity of squirrel nut storage. Researchers have found that the hippocampus in the brains of eastern gray squirrels actually increases up to 15% in size in the fall to help them remember where they have stored their caches of nuts. That's right, their brains actually get bigger in the fall. They also have a strange behavior of rubbing acorns on their face in an effort to mark the seed with their scent. That makes it easier for them to find later. And a 2017 study of fox squirrels found that they sort their nuts and bury them in certain groups. Walnuts over here, acorns over there. And if a squirrel thinks it's being followed while hiding its nuts, it will dig a hole pretend to drop in the nut while actually keeping it in its mouth, then refill the hole and run off while the spy squirrel digs up an empty hole. And if a squirrel has what they consider an especially high-value nut, they take substantially longer to find an appropriate hiding place. And just like me eating all the french fries because if I take them home, they don't reheat well, squirrels think about what to store and what to eat. Red oak trees and white oak trees both produce acorns, but they're a bit different. 
white acorns germinate as soon as they drop, but red oak acorns need to overwinter before they will sprout. Scientists have found that gray squirrels know to eat white oak acorns early and store the red oak acorns for later. If they have to store white acorns, they use their teeth to scrape out the plant embryo so that that way they can safely be stored without the squirrel coming back to a baby tree. A gray squirrel can bury around 25 nuts in 30 minutes, so a squirrel stores around 10,000 seeds and nuts every year. It's estimated that squirrels remember 95% of the nuts that they bury, and I can't even remember where I left my cell phone once I leave the room. With those 10,000 buried nuts and acorns, that means that squirrels leave around 500 in the ground, which then have an opportunity to germinate. Squirrels are the reason that trees are able to spread their seeds, and they're believed to be responsible for much of the forest in the United States. So, squirrels help trees to spread their seeds to new areas, but they also basically eat baby trees. This leads to a real love-hate relationship between trees and squirrels and an evolutionary arms race. Scientists have found that conifer trees in the western United States that are the same species have different pine cone characteristics depending on the presence of squirrels. Comparing limber pines in mountains where squirrels are present to those in the Great Basin, where there have been no squirrels for over 10,000 years, shows that the trees that live in squirrel habitat invest half the energy in creating pine cones. And these cones have fewer and smaller seeds, larger cones, more resin per cone, and a greater seed coat thickness than those trees in the Great Basin. Squirrels and Trees one of the greatest frenemy stories of all time. Now, I always try to end each podcast with conservation information about the creature, but as there are so many different species of squirrels, it's not easy to pin down, which to be honest has been the case for pretty much this whole episode. Squirrel conservation is a bit of a mixed bag. Some are doing great and some are losing population. So what can everyday people like you or me do to help with conservation? Basically. Let them live their squirrely little lives. If squirrels are a problem for you, use non-lethal methods of controlling them. Physically block access into your attic. Sprinkle red pepper in the garden to keep them away from your bulbs. Or spray apple cider vinegar or pepper water on your Christmas lights. If squirrels are causing a problem, there is almost always a non-lethal solution a simple Google search away. The biggest threat to squirrel species that are in decline is a loss of habitat. We can help squirrels by supporting land conservation. Not all squirrels like to live near people, and habitat degradation is the biggest threat to these species. Support the establishment of parks and wildlife preserves. Vote to support park services in your area. When new housing developments are built, encourage builders to leave some of the trees. Or plant some in your own yard. And if there is a particular squirrel that you find fascinating, research specific ways that you can help. There is so much amazing information about squirrels out there if you want to continue researching, and I really suggest you do. Squirrels are an amazingly variated group of mammals that are so easy for us to overlook because they're so common. Hopefully learning a little more about their amazing brains, cool ankles, and Swiss army knife tails 
has helped the humble squirrel move up just a little bit in your internal animal hierarchy, or maybe even made them your new favorite animal. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you are enjoying your new favorite animal podcast, please subscribe or leave a positive review in your podcast app. I'm always trying to improve the podcast. So if you have any suggestions, please email me at yournewfavoriteanimal at gmail.com or just send me a note. It's nice to know that people are listening. If you would like to learn more about me or the animals that we discuss on the podcast, check out my website at www.yournewfavoriteanimal.weebly.com. Thank you and be kind to each other. Susie out. Your new favorite animal podcast is recorded and edited by Susie K. The intro and outro music is Lighthearted Joy by Music Town. Sources used for each episode are listed in the notes and on the website. Thanks again for listening.